The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
There is nothing more painful in the world than to live in a marriage where one partner is dishonest and will not share their hearts that says, I love you, but in their journal they say, I hate him. There's nothing more painful than false love. And it results in the breaking of the relationship. Because for a relationship to work, there has to be absolute honesty between both parties. There has to be an integrity in what we say and what we do. That's also true with Jesus. There is a love that we can live in. There is a place for us in Jesus Christ. But in order for us to enter that place with Jesus, we have to be willing to become absolutely honest with him. We live in the realm of liars. We live in the realm of the dishonest, the unclean, the dark. We cannot remain in that dark, unclean place and walk in love with Jesus. Sooner or later, Jesus will uncover our dishonesty. And then there will be a divorce between us and Jesus. Because to be in a relationship with Jesus means everything is uncovered and confessed and repented of. And his blood has washed us clean. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I can't pretend with you that Jesus of the modern church is not the Jesus I find in the scriptures. And that has caused me a great deal of internal conflict and pain. I have wept much over that. For I know that until the church today in America truly begins to repent and is completely reformed in its behavior and its beliefs, the church in America is headed for a divorce with Jesus. The marriage simply will not work. There is too much dishonesty. There's too much lying. The struggle I'm having as a pastor 
is how to communicate with you. The absolute necessity that you not add Jesus to an already full life. I talked with one person who said, I'm a good person. I'm not walking in sin. I wish that were true. But there are no good people outside of Jesus. And there are no good people who are lukewarm. There are no good people who are not filled with the Holy Spirit. That's reality. Ephesians, let me read this for you. The fifth chapter, I'll begin in verse 2. You must walk in love as Christ also loved us and delivered himself in our behalf an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But sexual immorality and all uncleanness or inordinate desire for riches must not be so much as mentioned among you as becomes holy ones. And indecency and silly talk or coarse jesting, these things are not fitting, but rather thanksgiving. Now, this you are understanding, that every fornicator or unclean person or one who defrauds for gain, who is an idolater, has not an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let nobody deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore be not partakers with them. For at one time you used to be darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You must walk like children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all uprightness and righteousness and truth, proving what is well-pleasing to the Lord. And you must not participate with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Really, the things being done by them secretly are a disgrace even to speak of. Now all these things being exposed by the light become visible, but everything becomes visible in light. For this reason, he says, wake up the sleeping ones and arise out from among the dead ones and Christ will enlighten you or Christ will shine upon you. Some translations say, Stand up, and the light of Christ will shine upon you. The Geneva Bible says that. Stand up, and the light of Jesus will shine upon you. Now, I want to talk to you about the Sermon on the Mount. But to talk to you about the Sermon on the Mount, there's a place of beginning for this sermon. 
And that place of beginning is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is, blessed are those who's willing to finally get honest with God and stop all the games. See, you can't walk in love and be dishonest. See, there is a love you can walk in, but that love requires absolute uncovering of self. Real love does not happen in hiddenness. Real love happens when we're willing to lay it all out. We're willing to be completely vulnerable. We're willing to recognize in Jesus that we're coming out of the dark space that we're not okay, that we can't just add some biblical principles to our lives and think that, okay, now I'm good to go. Because you're still being dishonest. Now he says, blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted. I I guarantee you that when or if a husband and a wife sits down together and they become distant with each other. It's because they've been dishonest with each other. And if they'll begin to confess honestly to one another what they've been lying about or what they've been hiding, those things that that they have carefully hidden because they don't want to be disapproved of. They walk on eggshells because they don't want the other one to know. They can borrow money from somebody and not tell their spouse, or they can be a closet alcoholic, or they can be having an emotional affair at work. They can be connecting with somebody in an unclean way. And suddenly the relationship between them starts to die. There's nothing sadder than a a husband and wife who cannot be honest with each other, and that relationship then no longer glorifies the Lord, and they begin to die as a couple. Well, you, you know, when that couple comes together, if they ever do, and all too often they don't ever come together, they finally end up being good roommates or bad roommates and they have a business interest because they there's a lot of money to lose if they split. As one couple I know about, the husband lives in one half of the house and the wife lives in the other half and they don't want to split because it'll cost them too much money. So they're bad roommates. They're dishonest. They're lying to each other. If they ever come together and begin to really be honest with one another about who they are and and what their feelings are and what they're thinking and and what, what they want, if they'd ever get honest with one another, there would be weeping. 
because they know they've wronged their partner. Maybe they've stolen something from him or her. Maybe they've had an affair going on the side. Maybe they've had ambitions that they don't think their husband or wife can help them achieve, and so they've gone and connected with other people who are taking them in the direction their emotional energy wants to go, and so they're sabotaging their marriage. They're liars. They're thieves. They're stealing from the marriage. They're stealing the joy. They're stealing the life. They're stealing the money. They're stealing from their partner. God hates thieves. When you come together and you begin to be honest with one another, you begin to create a safe space to love. Love does not have a chance in a dishonest relationship. And I know that many of you have been dishonest with Jesus. You've treated him like he was a distant friend. You've not treated him as the most intimate partner of your life. Intimacy always comes out of personal revelation. Intimacy between a husband and wife. Intimacy between your soul and Jesus. Intimacy between you and a friend always comes out of an uncovering of the inner part of your heart. And that creates a safe space that you can live in. Now it's very clear that Jesus wants us to live in love with him. He loves us. He was willing to be put on that cross, naked, uncovered, arms stretched wide, nailed to that cross, feet nailed to that cross, dying, being for breath, being tortured to death. Why did he... Why did he do that? Why was he willing to be stretched out as God? Because God knows that the only way you can live in love is to be stretched out, to be totally vulnerable with your husband, with your wife. With your Lord Jesus. You see, we want to come to this passage in the Beatitudes and we want to say, okay, I'm supposed to be meek, so I'll humble my heart. Okay, I'll humble my heart. Now, because I've said I'll humble my heart, I think I've humbled it. I haven't. Humbling your heart means uncovering the depth of your feelings and your thoughts with no hiddenness. I used to hear in a church that I pastored that it was not a safe place. 
Well, what makes a church a safe place where there's no hiddenness? Where everyone is willing to risk loving one another? I might get hurt. Do you think Jesus was hurt on that cross? The most painful possible death? Do you think that hurt? Do you think it hurt him when his father, the darkness, surrounded him and he cried out, Why have you forsaken me? Had God forsaken him? No, but he couldn't see God. When we can't see our God. When we can't see our wife or our husband. When we can't see our friend. It's hard to walk in love. Because to walk in love means I can see you. You can see me. There is an uncovering of who we are. Now you can go through the Beatitudes and you can say, blessed are the merciful. Okay, I'll be merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Okay, I'll be pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Okay, I'll be a peacemaker. Wrong. You can't be any of those things until you have recognized the poorness of your spirit and recognize that these are things that only God can do in you. And it's going to require you going to the very bottom of your heart and exposing the fullness of the wickedness of your soul and of your heart and your lust after the things of darkness, your love of the world, the flesh, and the devil. It means you have to go all the way down there and admit the dishonesty and the selfishness. It means you have to go down there and admit how you have lied and cheated and stolen. Now, it's much easier to be a Pharisee, to get the outward appearance all gussied up and cleaned up, but inside be filled with anger and bitterness inside be filled with lies and dishonesty that breaks that breaks a relationship with our husband or our wife many years ago I was married while I was in college and as time went on my wife became more and more angry with me at first she would be just angry and then she'd be angry for a day and then she wouldn't speak to me for a day or two or three days And finally, she was just flat out angry because she didn't like who I was. And we'd sit down and I'd try to share with her my inner parts. And she would curse me 
and say, you can't think that, you can't be like that, you have to be different than that. I said, you can't give people that way. You can't, you can't give away everything we have. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. But I had to follow Jesus. And finally, one day, after 20 years of marriage, the postman came to the door and he said, Pastor, here's a package that wouldn't fit in your post office box. I didn't have a post office box. And there was a gift. And slowly, the affair came out that she'd found a man who would be what she wanted him to be. And she packed up and left. And I had two children to raise. Today, it might have been different if I'd been more mature and known how to handle it. Jesus wants us to walk in love. But to walk in love means we've got to be very honest about who we are. And then we have to be willing to forgive others who are not what we think they ought to be. Are you willing to be honest? with your husband with your wife do you write one thing in your private journal and say a different thing to him in public when you're together do you say to him I love you but in your journal you say I hate him are you dishonest with Jesus Do you say, I love him, and then you suck in all of the world? You can suck in all the darkness you can enjoy? Do you fill your heart with things that are impure, unclean? Are you all washed up on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones? There is only really one answer that I can give you, and it's found here in the Beatitudes. It says, How blessed or how happy are those who are willing to admit their utter poorness before God and begin to confess and repent and turn. Now, when it talks about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, He really means that, where we just come crying out. I can't live with this brokenness in my heart. I can't live with this this wickedness that keeps cropping up in my spirit. There has to be a change in me, Jesus. And as we cry out before him, it says that he will fill us with righteousness, not positional righteousness, real righteousness. Now, 
begins to talk about what that real righteousness is going to look what it's going to look like. He talks about you've heard it said do not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. So if in your heart you're dishonest and that anger rises up in your heart and you begin to hate your brother, you've murdered him or your husband or your wife or your children. You've murdered them in the eyes of God. You heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman, and could I say anyone who looks at a man lustfully, has already committed adultery in his heart. He's saying, look, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Isn't it interesting? Jesus has a perfect opportunity here to say, look, positionally you're saved and you belong to me. You don't need to cut your hand off. It's not that serious because I've got you. You're saved. You're you're one with me. He says, do not think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Verse 17, Jesus did not come to cover over our sin and to leave us out of his love. He came to draw our hearts into his heart. God wants your heart drawn into Jesus' heart. He wants you to walk in love. And you can't walk in love when you're being dishonest about who you are. You can't be walking in love with Jesus. And then dip into the wickedness of the world. Lie, cheat, steal. Bitterness, anger, pornography, fornication, adultery. You can't walk in that stuff. And then somehow think that you were all right with Jesus. Just as between a husband and a wife, an affair will begin to break that relationship. So likewise, an affair with the world will break your relationship with Jesus. And some of you have broken that relationship and the sign of that brokenness is that your heart is cool toward him. There's no passion. You pray and there's no tears. When was the last time you spent a night in prayer? When was the last time you couldn't sleep, but you rolled and tossed and finally had to get up and begin to just vomit out all of the junk that was in your heart? When was the last time you got really serious with God? If you want to walk in love, You're going to have to get honest with God. If you want that relationship with your husband healed or that wife healed, you're going to have to get honest with him. You're going to have to give up your judgments and your accusations. And you're going to have to begin uncovering yourself and your lies, your pretense, You're thinking that you're better than they are? That you're smarter than they are? 
my brother, my sister. I want you to walk in the love of Jesus Christ. I've come to you today as a peacemaker between Jesus and you. So many times I've spoken to a Christian and they've been short with me. Just cut me off. They don't want to talk about what's really going on in their heart. They've they've got a, a wall of steel around themselves. Don't confront me with who I am. Don't confront me with what you feel or what you think. You just stay distant. Really? People who demand that I stay distant, I won't walk with. Friends who demand that I be dishonest with them and not tell them what I feel and what I think, I'm not willing to be friends with. Maybe that's why I don't have a lot of friends. I would rather have three or four precious people in my life that I can be totally honest with than a thousand who would call me their friend. I want to walk in love. I want to walk in love with my family. I want to walk in love with brothers and sisters. But most of all, I want to walk in the love of Jesus Christ. So don't patronize me. Don't come with your accusations and your judgments. I've got a long way to go. I'm still very immature, even though I'm an older man. I make lots of mistakes. But as the Holy Spirit uncovers those and makes them plain, I repent and I give them to Jesus. Am I making sense to you today? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Are you dishonest with Jesus? He says, You've heard that it was said, Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. He says, If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. 
and if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let them have your shirt also. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You see, this is the nitty-gritty of of what it means to be in relationship with Jesus and with others. Where you stop protecting yourself and you become very vulnerable and very honest. Where you have love flowing from your heart for others. You don't protect your goods anymore. Do you understand this is not about money? Life is not about stuff. Remember, the third part of righteousness was to be a peacemaker. You can't be a peacemaker and shoot somebody. Now, I'm not saying you don't have the right to defend your life. You do. But do you hear what I'm saying? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. The most marvelous stories have come out of China, where dear brothers and sisters have been imprisoned. They've been beaten and tortured. And the stories of these precious Chinese brothers who love their torture, until finally the torture says, I can't stand it anymore. Tell me about this Jesus. And they become brothers. And they end up in prison with the one they were torturing. And now they're being beaten and tortured because they've become a follower of Jesus too. You see, this walking in love is not shallow. It's not cheap. It means literally giving up our lives. It means giving up ourselves It means laying it all down. It means not being lukewarm. It means having a passion for Jesus. Our passion for Jesus will only be as deep as our honesty is with him. The more fully you uncover the darkness of your heart, the closer you will come to Jesus because he will speak words of compassion. He will forgive you for your sin. He will heal your heart and your brokenness. And he will love you. And you will walk in love with him. I know of no greater privilege than to walk in love with Jesus Christ. There is no greater privilege. So he says, when you pray, go into your room and close the door. 
and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Why does he want you to go in your room and close the door? Because he wants you to have some privacy with him. Because when you go in your room and you close the door and you begin to pray, the challenge is finally to give up all pride and to humble your heart before God and to confess the deepest and darkest things of your heart. To confess before God the slowness of your heart, the stubbornness of your heart, to confess before God the the anger of your heart. To confess before God the lust of your heart the lust for money and things and people. I've gone through a a time over the last several months where I've spent many hours isolated and alone with Jesus. Now part of it was forced on me because I had a car accident and I didn't have any money to buy another car, and so I spent many hours in the house, isolated, without a car. I now have a beautiful car. Thank you to Jesus. He sent me one. But that time was very precious to me, to be isolated isolated alone with Jesus where I could just sit before him and part of the time it was a time of rejoicing reading the scriptures letting the Holy Spirit speak to me words of promise telling me what was going to happen in the days to come in the weeks and months to come But part of it was also the uncovering of hurt and bitterness and anger in my heart for the way I had been treated by others. And I had to confess all of that before Jesus. I had to give that to him. And as I released it to him, it was not as though it was still there and comforted. No, it was gone. (laughs) So today I come to you and there's no bitterness or anger in my heart. There's no... There's no feeling of being treated unjustly or unfairly because I've confessed all of that to Jesus. I've wept over it. I've given him... the deepest part of my betrayal of Jesus. I've uncovered for him all the feelings of my heart and all the behaviors of my life that have been mixed, dishonest. And as I've done that, a great peace has come 
into my heart a deeper peace than I've ever known before. I want that for you. I want that total transparency between your heart and Jesus' heart. I want you to come and and walk in love with Jesus in such a way that you can not resist an evil person, but love them. I was talking to a, a very successful businessman this morning. And he said to me, Pastor, I for some time was praying that God would send me the customers. Well, now he sent me all the customers, and now I'm having to pray that God will send me the people to serve these customers. I said, my brother, I think you're missing something. He, he looked at me inquisitively. What am I missing, Pastor? I said, you need to change your prayer. You need to pray that God will send you people that you can talk to about Jesus. His face lit up. He said, you're right. I've been praying the wrong prayer. I've been praying a selfish prayer. I was focused on serving the customers and making money. I need to focus on witnessing and testifying that Jesus is the one we serve. I said, yes. And if Jesus will send you people that you can talk to about Jesus and they work in your shop, they're going to be very good employees because they're going to serve Jesus, not you. And they're going to do the good job when you're looking and when you're not looking, they're going to work. They're going to work for the Lord Jesus. His face was wreathed in smiles. He said, could we pray that? Could we pray that? I said, yes, I'll pray that. He said, that's my prayer now. Lord Jesus, send me workers that I can talk to about Jesus. This man loves the Lord with all of his heart. He serves Jesus. And the light of God is on his countenance and fills his shop. I love to walk into his store because when I do, I see the presence of Jesus. Oh, my brother, my sister. How is it with you today? As you come to this Thanksgiving celebration this week, are you going to go to your family and be hidden and dishonest? Talk about everything but how you're doing with each other? Or do you have the courage to lay down your bitterness or your anger that you may hold toward your family? Are you willing to lay down all the accusations that you may have made through the years against your family?
your father, your mother, your brother, sister, your sister's husband or your or your brother's wife? Are you willing to lay down all of that? Would you get on your face before Thanksgiving Day and really get honest with God about who you are and what you feel, what your fears are, what your thoughts are? Will you walk in love this Thanksgiving? I'm going to do something this Thanksgiving that I always do and enjoy so much doing. I'm going to a special shop where I'm going to buy some pies. And I'm going to make pie deliveries on Thanksgiving morning to to several families who are not Christians. To say to them, I love you. Happy Thanksgiving. I choose to walk in love. Then I'm going to be with some precious family. People I love dearly. And we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to worship him and we're going to be grateful to him for all he's given us and all he's done for us. But mostly we're going to talk about how he's changed our hearts, how he's healed our brokenness, how he's restored life, precious life to our dead hearts. May I pray for you? Lord Jesus, I come bringing each person listening to this broadcast before your throne of grace. And I know the desire of their heart is that they could walk in love. They don't want to walk in bitterness and anger and and hardness of heart. They want to walk in love, but Lord, some are afraid. They don't know where to begin. It scares them to even think of becoming honest because they might be utterly forsaken and cast off. Lord, would you come? Would you stand between each of my brothers and sisters today and their family? And would you bring them into yourself, Jesus, that they could walk in love in you? Lord, would you make this Thanksgiving Day a time of great healing, not of just tolerance, until we can get through this ritual. Lord, make it a day of celebration, a day of love and rejoicing, a day of gratitude. Lord, have your way. Lord, I praise and worship you today. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, we're out of time almost for today's radio broadcast. I'd like to hear from you. I've been to the mailbox every day this week. Ellen, thank you for your gift. Thank each of you. My dear brother, 
who writes me long letters. I love to read them. And thank you for the $100 you sent. We're still 1,200 short when the pledges come in. We're still 1,200 short for this month. Would you give a Thanksgiving offering this week? And would you put it in the mail today? Just make it out to Pilgrim's Progress or to National Prayer Chapel and mark it Pilgrim's Progress. Mail it to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Let me give you that address again. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, Enrica Perez, the man who was injured in this devastating accident, he and his family need our support at this Thanksgiving. And if you'd like to, just send a check to the National Prayer Chapel and mark it Poor Fund, and it will go straight to him. If you want to do that, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you, I pray God blesses you on this Thanksgiving. I love you, my brother, my sister. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I love you. Jesus loves you. Walk in love. I'll talk to you soon.